Welcome to the second episode of uh, our discussions in as far as uh, 16 days of um, activism against gender-based violence. Now, my second guest in the studio this um, afternoon is Zokanji Daniel Sichinga. Now, he did put up a very interesting um, post that I'll read and then we'll be able to drive into the discussion uh, this time around. So he said, when we stand against GBV uh, these 16 days, let us not just spread the narrative based on wom women being victims alone. We need to move away from uh, the notion of seeing gender as women usual, but as a collective. Now, gender uh, th theologist, theologist, rather, Judith Butler, says gender is performative. Remember that many men who do not fit the ideal standards of uh, masculinity are also part of the victims. Um, uh, that's part of uh, the court. Now, Izu, welcome to our studios, first of all, and pleasure meeting you, you know, uh, in person. <laughs> you know, we've been meeting on the cyberspace, but it's good to see you in a, in a phys physical space. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Um, a very interesting post that you uh, you did put up. Now, I was asking you earlier on, how would you like me to address you <laughs> uh, in this particular podcast? And you said, um, an activist, not but an advocate, human rights ad advocate. Yeah, so just a, a little bit background about myself. I'm mm -hmm. a social scientist uh, by training, mm -hmm. and I'm more precisely interested in uh, criminology and also looking at uh, social structures. And then also how do those social structures in turn tend to affect uh, the way people get to view their world, their spaces that they live in. And so, yes, I'm a human rights advocate and also, in some senses, a human rights activist. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, 16 days of um, activism against GBV. Um, first thing first, if you we say this, especially to uh, a common person, a common man, a common boy, uh, what they'll think about is it's favoring the women in, in, in this case. And I think also the media might have also played that role because most of the times, if you look at the cases that have been reported in the media, usually it's favoring girls um, and women. Why are we leaving out the men? And that is the discussion that we'll be having here. But we'll bring it back to uh, your post first, the one that you put up as we started uh, um, you know, the act 16 days of activism. Okay. Well, um it's always an interesting conversation whenever I'm discussing this uh, topic on gender, and more precisely because the world is has created itself. It has created this narrative that every time when we're discussing gender, then we need to be discussing uh, women issues. I'm 100% for that to say that we need to be discussing. Uh, women issues because majority of the time the people that are affected even when it comes to gender-based violence it's women mm -hmm. but if we're thinking around it and this is coming back to my post uh, the performative nature of gender as Judith Butler puts it to say um, there are so many ways in which people get to perform this gender and it's not just the narrative of saying one is a man or one is a woman because every time we are thinking about gender we're always creating this uh, this dichotomy where you say that there is uh, masculinity and there's femininity but now what happens uh, when there's somebody that is in between this spectrum mm -hmm. the far end is the ideal kind of a man and the far end is the ideal kind of a woman what happens uh, to the people that are in between this spectrum the people that do 
not generally fit the ideal kind of what it means to be a man or the ideal kind of what it means to be a woman. Mm. And oftentimes, I've always said to say that these people are oftentimes are the ones that are at the receiving end of this gender-based violence. Because mm. if, a, if a young boy, say a young boy at the age of 15, uh, does not get to act so much or so manly, then they'll start calling him all uh, negative words and so on. And then if, you, if we're thinking about what violence itself is, violence is not only physical. Violence can also be mental violence can also, uh, in some context, can also be spiritual because you are basically attacking the very one component of who uh, that person is. And even when we think about it again, uh, what it means to be a woman, if you do not fit the ideal kind of mm. being a woman, mm. then you're also uh, at the receiving end of this violence. If somebody is butch and they wear manly clothes and so on and so forth, remember gender is performative. If they wear um, such kinds of clothes, society is going to look down on them and say, hey, why are you wearing uh, men's clothes? And oftentimes, if these people um, experience a any form of violence and then they go to the police, mm -hmm. they might also be at the receiving end of secondary victimization because the police will be like, hey, you deserve this because you are dressed as a man, because you're not practicing what mm -hmm. they generally believe to say is the ideal kind of uh, femininity. All right. Now, um, what then can we do? And, and, and let's, uh, we've brought up a very interesting uh, point. Um, those that do not fit uh, the description of being either male or female, um, how then can they be protected? In, in this case, um, in, in the Zambian con context. Yeah. The Zambian context is a is an interesting one, per <laughs> se, uh, because we've created um, this perfect ideal, and if you do not uh, uh, live up to these standards, definitely are going to be ostracized by society for for uh, for being like that. But uh, there's one word that I always uh, I think we need to preach, and this is uh, tolerance, to say. We need to critically understand to say that people get to view themselves uh, the way they are. They get to construct uh, uh, what they feel is the best form of, the best representation of who they truly are. Remember to say that even when we perform uh, this gender, mm -hmm. it's always being performed in a context. And yes, uh, earlier on you did say, um, we do get uh, this construction from so many places. Mm -hmm. A primary uh, point of socialization might be our family, might be our friends, but again, it might be who we are within us and uh, those characteristics and traits get to, uh, to, to determine what uh, we eventually want to become. And mm -hmm. so if somebody says, hey, um, I think this is what's best uh, for me, uh, I shouldn't uh, be overly dressed according to the to this standard of what has been set by society. I think mm -hmm. there should be some level of tolerance because tolerance breeds love, and then that love is the one that should be able to um, to cover everything that you think uh, is not right according to you. And hey, after all, at the end of it all, it's all about the individual choices. All right. Um, if I'm getting you right, what? Uh, maybe society is not doing, especially in the Zambian context, is not respecting uh, individual choices. And it, in, in this case, is to um, focusing on um, people that do not identify um, per se, in, according to society's uh, perception, as either male um, or female, or maybe you know, in their, I mean, in in the eyes of society, they are perceived to be female or they are perceived to be male but they do not identify themselves as that and obviously those are the most people I feel that are uh, in most cases are 
at the receiving end of uh, GBV. But when we talk about GB, GBV in mm. the Zambian context, usually people tend to focus uh, so much on the physical um, attribute. But let's talk, especially for these people, I mean, in, in, in this context, I'm looking at people maybe who are transgenders that do not identify, you know, I mean, that identify themselves, maybe they were male and now they identify as female. Uh, what uh, the rejection and the negative uh, comments that they get tend to get from um, society, what impact does that have on that human life? Uh, that's that's an interesting uh, question. And uh, let me just um, also maybe try to reflect back. Mm -hmm. I do not necessarily want to carry this conversation where we've created this dichotomy where to say that it's only male and female. Mm -hmm. Because generally, uh, if we are discussing gender, like I said earlier on, it's, it's, it's always this broad uh, spectrum and mm -hmm. people are freely to identify based on what they feel uh, uh, would re, uh, would best represent themselves. And yes, uh, uh, there the are quite a number of negative vices or imp the psychological impact that mm. it has when you do when you do not live your best self and then this is in the zambian context and i i would assume because uh, i'm not transgender myself mm -hmm. but i would assume to say that uh, many people that are transgender in zambia and yes they do exist mm -hmm. that are transgender in zambia do face um so many negative vices and they are at the receiving end of both physical, psychological, and emotional trauma. And this trauma is created because of the way the system itself, the Zambian system, whether it's socially, economically, politically, the way it has been structured. And this uh, construction that we have created for ourselves socially is that it should always be between male and female. There, mm. always, there is always this dichotomy. And hence, if somebody who's, say, transgender, they're transitioning from being male to female or from female to male, they'll always be at the uh, negative receiving end of this violence, this uh, emotional trauma, because society will be seeing them to say that these are social delinquents. They do not necessarily fit a certain social standard. But if people are allowed to be the best of themselves. I generally believe to say that they then they'll be able to offer as much as they can, whether it's economically, socially, and so on, because they'll be living the best representation of who they truly are, which is the best of themselves. Regardless of whether one, and um, I know this might be controversial because of the context that this is being uh, spoken, mm -hmm. uh, whether one is gay, lesbian, um, bisexual, transgender, and so on, if people were allowed to live the best lives that they are, I, de I definitely believe to say that we would have a more productive society because the negative impact that is there when somebody is not living who they, tru who they truly are, number one, if you're thinking about it more critically, uh, we always know to say that people tend to be sexual beings and, and they do practice their sexuality in so many different ways. Imagine if uh, we, if those consented effort were to say, let people be themselves. Mm -hmm. We would have uh, a reduction when it comes to uh, venereal diseases such as STIs and so on because awareness is going to be tailored around uh, people's sexual preferences and practices. Mm -hmm. 
it's not going to be in a heteronormative way where every time if somebody goes to the hospital they ask you to say do you have a boyfriend when somebody might uh, uh, do you have a boyfriend maybe they're asking somebody that is lesbian mm. she's definitely going to say no i do not have um uh, a, a boyfriend, boyfriend but they're not going to probe any further to say maybe she might be uh, mm. in a relationship with mm. another woman and, and likewise even when it comes to men do you have a girlfriend and then they say no I do not have a, a girlfriend but uh, what of asking do you have a partner and that partner definition gets to be whether it's a man or if it's a mm. woman and if somebody says that their partner is male then you'd be able to know how do you uh, give them the, the, their sexual reproductive health rights services that are tailored based on on, on their sexuality and the and what they practice mm -hmm. and if that were to happen people would number one not be living in the closet would have uh, more concerted effort being uh, made where uh, people uh, are able to receive services tailored uh, based on their practices and uh, would be able to, to to even bring down some of these statistics, even when you're looking at the number of STIs in these clinics, or the, 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 the uh, when it comes to the prevalence of HIV in the country, because other people are living in the closet, and mm. uh, if you are living in the closet and you're not receiving the right kind of treatment, then it becomes a public health uh, problem. Mm. That's that's really interesting because I, I really, really never thought about it in those. And maybe uh, that can also be attributed to uh, also the numbers of um, infection, sexually transmitted diseases that, you, like you mentioned, the highest numbers uh, that keep on increasing year in, year out. Um, and I, so now, like now, I have a lot of questions that I need to, <laughs> I need to ask at once. Please take your time. Yes, but let's, let's, um, the, the most important thing there now is, um, is society ready um, to receive people as who they truly are and not as what you know we were brought out to believe as you know this because they can only be a man and a woman in a relationship for as, as, as an example <sighs> are people ready hmm. are we are, are we ready that, that should be the question that we should be asking ourselves honest truth mm -hmm. I don't believe people need to be ready. Mm. Because the moment that we begin saying that people are people ready, then we make people start believing that for them to exist, they need somebody's permission. People right. do not need somebody's permission for them to exist. Mm -hmm. If I have a problem with say somebody that is transgender, say somebody that is gay, somebody that is bisexual, something like that. Mm. The problem is with me, not with them. Yeah. So if the problem is with me, it's up to me to rewire my mind or to reconstruct my thoughts based on what I have believed. And yes, I'll, I'll put this up front to say the Zambian context that we, we've been brought up in where the majority, I think about 96% uh, prescribed to Christianity and so on, mm. who always preach to say this is against our Christian values, this is against our African tradition and so on, culture and custom and, and so on. But this is a challenge that I always present. To say, is culture constant? Mm -hmm. Culture is never constant. It's evolving every time. Even the Christianity that we see today, 
it's not the Christianity that it was when it was brought into Africa during the period of colonialism. It has evolved and so on. And of course, uh, people will say, uh, and here, I, 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 because now we are not really just talking about gender, but we're also now talking about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, gender and sexuality in the African context has always been discussed for a very longer period in time, and there, there's been both historical and archaeological evidence, whether you're looking at uh, paintings of old, uh, the history of the past, where um, homoerotic relations have been described, and so on and so forth, and then you get to discover that even uh, in today's uh, sense, because we've adopted um, uh, you know, Christian values, Christian principles, and, and so on, and that have uh, in turn created our identity, you might get to discover that uh, the people that are at the receiving end of this hate, they are within uh, even our Christian churches. Mm. They are within our society. They do partake in national development. They also contribute to the paying of taxes and so on, and that taxes that is used to develop our nation and then uh, a very funny thing that even the people that we might be wanting to impose our beliefs on might not even generally uh, be believers in what we believe in. Remember to say that even uh, our constitution, the Zambian constitution, does protect people from does protect people and allows them to have freedom of conscience to make choices on what you best believe. So I might not be Christian. Or you might not be Christian, but that, does that generally make me, if I was a Christian, impose my Christian beliefs on you? It doesn't really uh, make sense to impose your beliefs on someone. Mm-hmm. The best thing that I've always said, society will never be ready. That's number one. And then number two, if society will not be ready, then even the people that uh, that at the receiving end of this discrimination, this hate and so on, should not live based on society's terms because they do not need permission to go and live the best lives of themselves. But number one thing that I said earlier on was what? If we are able to be tolerant, mm-hmm. tolerant builds love and that love covers a multitude of many things. So then why as society is, are they not tolerant to other genders? Why are we not? And because <laughs> the reason why I'm asking this yeah, is... Yeah. Um, with everything that you've said, you mm-hmm. you make reference to how you know Christianity, how Christianity, when I mean the time of colonialism, and now it has evolved. Uh, it's same same as culture. Uh, mm-hmm. Why then hasn't because we we know that maybe I mean since time immemorial there has been you know uh, people that you know preferred to have feelings for the same sex uh, in in this case. Then why are we not really now? Um, find it hard to accept that this, you know, uh, is also a way of living. So, just a point of correction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you use the word preferred to have. Mm. I don't think they have preferred because when you say preferred, mm. then it means that it is a choice. Oh yeah. I I, I personally <laughs> do not believe that it is a choice. choice. I do believe to say that uh, that's how people were born. Mm. And then it it just happened that uh, they are maybe they are sexually attracted to the same gender or to the same sex mm. and and so on and uh, so um, 
Can you rephrase your question yeah. again? So now yeah. my question is why are we then not tolerant to let the LGBTQ community? Okay, so the reason why that I think uh, many Zambians are not tolerant to the LGBT community is because uh, of the way we have created this social structure, this this social fabric. Mm-hmm. The social fabric that uh, we've created in Zambia is very rigid to the point that uh, anything that uh, they see does not fit what is the Zambian standard, then gets to be treated as foreign. Mm. What, what is the Zambian standard? Maybe ah, the, it, 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 it's, it, it's, it's up to uh, the people that are preaching national values. Uh, every time, I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to sound shady, but it's up to the people that are constantly uh, preaching uh, national values. And of course, everybody brings in the, the Christian perspective. I'm, personally, I'm a respecter of um, all religions. I'm mm-hmm. not Christian. I'm agnostic. And uh, that's another conversation for oh, another yeah. time. Mm-hmm. But I'm a respecter of um, what people genuinely believe. If uh, people believe uh, uh, in Christianity, then let them believe in Christianity. But there's one thing that I love about uh, the Bible is that the Bible preaches love. And love, uh, like I said, covers a multitude of many things. Even the things that uh, we did not we do not generally believe in, but if there is love, then love is able to forego uh, those those feelings. All right. And maybe people might be wondering why we are um, having this discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because we are still in the 16 days of uh, act- 16 days activism against GBV. And in most cases, um, earlier on, before you ca- we started recording this, I was doing my research. I was trying to see if there's, there, there are statistics, especially like for... Uh, men or boys that have come forth and say, uh, you know, I was physically abused or, you know, I've been a victim um, verbally, you know, uh, a victim of, um, from from the female folk. There hasn't been that. And um, what could be the other attributes, especially now coming back to men, mm-hmm. men and boys? That's an interesting one. Uh, and it, 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 I think it carries... Uh, the conversation can be carried in two ways. Number one is under reporting of these cases to, to the police so that they can be part of uh, crime statistics. Mm-hmm. And number two is a cultural one. So number one is people do not want to report these cases to the police. Hence, there are no statistics because people are not reporting these cases to the police. And then the cultural one is because our society has created, remember we're coming back to the way society has created the mm-hmm. idea. Huh? If a man has been abused by a woman, if you go to the police, the first thing that uh, maybe they might do, and this is an assumption, is laugh at you because you are a man who has been abused by a woman. Because generally the construction has always been that to be a man, you have to be macho, you have to be fully in charge and so on. And hence uh, there's always the general perception and belief to say that men cannot experience any form of, uh, they cannot experience uh, these forms of gender-based violence when you're looking at issues of rape. Mm. You're looking at uh, issues of sexual harassment. People, people and so always on. argue that <laughs> a man cannot be raped. Exactly my point. And, and so, mm. you, you look, that, that's what society is saying a man cannot be raped. Mm. Imagine a man that has been raped or a man that has been sexually harassed. You go to the police. The number one thing is they're going to laugh at you to say that a man cannot be raped. Mm. 
And that adds to secondary victimization. Remember, you are victimized when you are sexually harassed, mm. raped, and so on as a man. When you go and report this case to the police or you go and report this case anywhere, they begin questioning you to say, were you already raped? Mm. Or were you not even enjoying it? Or something like that. Mm. And you have all those uh, innuendos that people are, are pushing forth. So, number one, people are not reporting because... Uh, of the way society has constructed this and so it's both under reporting of cases that's why we don't have so many statistics and then number two is because people are afraid of being uh, victimized in this system and this is um the, the part where i get to say you know we need to have this conversation as open as possible mm-hmm. that um men can also be at the receiving end of sexual harassment of even rape young boys are fondled in some of these families. They are touched, inappropriately, molested. And if these things are discovered in these families, guess what happens? People tend to cover them up. Mm. Families are also culprits in this, in, 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 in pushing off, pushing on this narrative that men cannot be sexually harassed, men cannot be raped, and so on. Interesting, the other time, uh, and this caused a stir on social media, it was mm. on Twitter, mm. where some famous... Uh, young man in Zambia, he does some business, he's well known, decided to come open uh, because he was uh, touched inappropriately by Mm. this woman and there was no consent given. Mm. Number one, from the story he was kissed, he did not like that. Number two, he was fondled. The the, the woman went and tried and touched his private members mm. he did not like that and then he left I'm, I'm just imagining that situation because that situation all those are clear indications to say that that was sexual harassment mm. now imagine if this young man went to the police and said a woman did this uh, to me there's going to be that double edge sword that probably is going to receive the secondary victimization I was talking about mm. and you might not want to uh, to report this but again there's something that's happening here social trauma there's this trauma that uh, young boys that have been uh, molested when they're young that they tend to grow up with. And it's really important that in our Zambian system and in our Zambian circles, we really become uh, well invested in looking at gender, even as we are looking at these 16 days, not only being a woman issue, but also being just a, a general uh, having general conversations. Yes, the statistics that we have at the moment uh, support um, women more because they're at the receiving end. But even uh, young men, young boys, young children are also at the receiving end. Mm. So then, um, how then do we get to change the narrative um, when we always when we come to this day uh, towards the end of November to December? Usually the focus is is on, on on girls and most of the times, if, even if we look at the theme itself, usually it usually favors the female folk leaving uh, that boy that man behind, like the one that you you gave an example of mm. on Twitter who was kissed and and didn't like it. How do we get to change the, the narrative so that it's the th- starting for first from the theme that we come uh, we come up with and also uh the relevant authorities where people go to report these cases that they're all you know it's all inclusive that no matter who goes to report they should also be treated equally and also be protected mm-hmm. in, in, in this so uh, 
Um, there are quite a number of ways that uh, I believe could help us. Uh, number one, we need to have a comprehensive definition of how we look at gender mm -hmm. and not just look at it as a woman issue, but look at it in general that uh, it encompasses both uh, being male and female. And then also looking at it to say that violence, structurally, uh, structurally though uh, women are largely at the receiving end because the statistics uh, that are there, because mm -hmm. that it's easy for women to report these cases to the police, but also understanding to say that they're dark figures. When I say dark figures, I'm basically talking about the figures that do not make it to crime statistic reports, uh, that men are also at the receiving end, because if you've looked at it in the papers in recent years, you've seen quite a number of reports where men have been at the receiving end uh, of this violence. And then uh, secondly, I think we also need to uh, uh, find better means and ways of sensitizing everybody that is involved, and more precisely, in the criminal justice system, the way they get to handle these cases, uh, when, when I say the criminal justice system, I'm not just looking at the police, but I'm also looking at health practitioners because, you know, if somebody has been raped, so say a young boy has been raped and they need to go to the hospital to mm. get uh, that report and so on. And so the way the system itself is designed, we need to have comprehensive understanding that uh, uh, such cases are not only uh, for women, but also men can be at the receiving end of this violence, whether we're looking at it physical, emotional, mental, and so on. Mm. So I think those are the two ways. And, 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 and also, again, uh, this also ties to having a clear definition uh, that even in the laws and rules, regulations, and so on, government policies and documents, I know there's a, there's a ministry on gender, mm. That ministry, I know that majority of the time it focuses on women issues, mm. that if the ministry can also start looking at men issues, but looking at men issues from an understanding that also men do experience this uh, gender-based violence, then even the, the issues that uh, you're telling me to say, the themes that come up, even the themes who start sounding comprehensive to, to say it's not only about women, but it is mm. also about men. Mm. And after all, when we say gender, it shouldn't just be about women, but it's also ab about uh, both sexes. All right. Um, very interesting conversation that we are having here now. Now let's talk about um, the most interesting conversation, issues to do with consent, especially mm -hmm. uh, people that are in relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, amongst my peers, people think, for instance, I'll give an example of if a girl or if a boy visits you at home mm -hmm. uh the the mere fact that she accepted your invitation i uh, think that they have also accepted if at all you'd want to have sex with them at that moment then you, you know um even if they said no in that case you still say i mean but you're here what do you expect us to talk about you want us to, i mean uh at a lighter note they would say i mean i, I didn't invite you to come over so that you should discuss politics mm -hmm. you know so it's just oh, to do with consent as well your comment on that Netflix and Chiwa. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Uh, okay. On a more serious note, though, uh, just because you invited someone to your house to come and have a light moment with you 
does not necessarily mean to say that they have consented to anything that is sexual. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I always say this, if you're going to engage into any sexual activity, when I say any sexual activity, I'm not talk, just talking about penetrative sex, mm-hmm. but I'm also talking about the elements of kissing, the elements of cuddling and so on and so forth. If you're going to have any sexual contact with anyone, there needs to be clear consent. And when I say clear consent, I'm not just saying somebody nodding, but I'm saying, let there be verbal consent. We are in this house together. Uh, one thing leads to the other. If, 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 if at all it reaches to the point where we begin having uh, that sexual touch, then there is need to be consent. Are you okay with me doing this? The other person also has to say yes or no. And then interesting, uh, an interesting thing also is this, that even when you're in that sexual act, when somebody gave consent, when you're in the process of whether you're having a sexual activity and so on, if somebody tells you to stop, you need to stop because consent has been withdrawn. Mm. If you continue just because the person consented earlier on and now they have said no and then you continue, it becomes, if, if you're having sex, that is rape. Because mm-hmm. consent was withdrawn. And so consent is sh- should always be there from the beginning to the end of any act. And at any point in time, somebody might able to say, no, let us stop this. And immediately when somebody says that, you need to stop. And uh, th- th- there's always this notion on social media uh, where... Uh, if if a young woman or young girl was raped, and then the, the number one question is always, what were you wearing? What were you at? Just because somebody is wearing something that is above the knees does not necessarily mean to say that they have consented to you mm. uh, having sexual contact with them. It's not your body, it's theirs. They can do whatsoever they want with their body. It's their body. And so it's always important that when we as young people engage in sexual activities, that consent is always there. And like I said, consent always has to be verbal. There, there's nothing like, no, she, she, the way she was acting, it's like she already said yes. Did you hear her? Or did you hear him? Mm. Say yes to what you want to do. Mm. Very interesting. Um, there's one why, why um, I'm asking this question. Earlier on, uh, on my way to the studio, um, at um, the traffic lights that are at, um, as you're going to Nipa. Mm-hmm. So there was a student, like a young couple. And usually if, if you're familiar with that area, you know that there are street kids that are always there. Because mm-hmm. She was wearing a dress that was above her knees. And the comments that they were passing, you know, made me realize that, and especially because most of the times people are at the receiving end, in, mm-hmm. in this case, are uh, in courts, girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, depending on how you're dressed, uh, people would think otherwise. And then, for instance, if you visit a boy mm. addressed like that in his in his mind, is like you came ready 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 for the act. The sad thing as well, um, in as much as we are also advocating for um, that they sh- it should be also inclusive for men and boys, mm-hmm. but we, most of the cases that we, we've seen, um, sadly, um, a, th- a three months year old baby that was raped by you know, the, 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 the biological father, mm-hmm. uh, sadly the, that uh, baby even died. Uh, 
laws um and let's talk about let's talk about now policies right mm -hmm. I, I, do we have very tough policies for perpetrators of such acts well 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 what i'm going to say i'm a man uh, <laughs> and what i'll say is many of us men are so much entitled we are so much entitled to uh, women bodies that we do not even see it and wh wh what happened to uh, that young lady cannot even be very far away from the conversations that some of our friends have behind closed doors. We might not even uh, be seeing that uh, the, the negative things that uh, they, uh, the young children that were on the streets were saying to that girl might also be happening within our homes where you you, you hear when we're having um, these light charts where ah, others will be like, did you see the way she was dressed and so on and so forth? Forgetting to say that the very same conversations that the street children mm. were having are the very same conversations that even the learned and educated people, the ones that are living comfy lives, are also having. It just matters with uh, the level and the the level and understanding of how people look at uh, what male entitlement is. Male entitlement is. It, it, is embedded in patriarchy, mm -hmm. where men feel to say that they're entitled to women bodies, which is very wrong. It is very wrong. And even when you, uh, 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 and yes, the case that you've talked about, a, a three-year-old, three, three, three three-months-old baby, sorry, uh, mm. being raped by the biological father. That is just one case that was heard uh, in the newspapers, I mean, read in the newspapers or even saw it on social media. Mm. Imagine the number of cases that have not even made it to social media because families want to protect uh, their reputation. There are so many cases like that if, in the Zambian context. Mm. If you're thinking about child marriages and so on, young girls that are being married off, majority of them... Uh, majority of the cases we might not even be able to hear about them because they're not even making it uh, to the newspapers and they're not even accounted for uh, in some of these uh, national statistics. And yes, we do have uh, the laws. We do have the laws w where, where defilement is uh, related, where rape is related, sexual harassment, and so on. Those laws are there. But... It should take a concerted effort between the community, the families, and also uh, the, the criminal justice system itself. Because yes, families might be protectionists. Mm -hmm. They want to protect the reputation of the family by not reporting these cases. But if somebody within the family or somebody who's a neighbor or somebody who knows about the case, why can't they go and report these cases to the police? Or they go and report these cases to the victim support unit because there's that unit that helps victims. And then so you, you, you see that it's, it's always this vicious cycle that is there where certain things continue being perpetrated because of the way society has been structured and is structured based on patriarchy where that, um, the man has to be protected. So imagine that man that uh, raped the three-month-old baby. If they wanted to be protectionist, they would have just said that the child had died. Mm. They would have not even talked about uh, the sexual uh, contact that that man had had. Because why they are scared that they are going to lose a breadwinner. Mm. 
They're scared that their main source of income uh, is going to be taken away if that money is taken to the police. And that is where the injustice is rooted. Because women, and in our context where we've seen that uh, many women that are married off when they are young, they do not have means to advance their education so that they may be independent or start businesses so that they may be independent, you find that the, there's always this dependency on the man. And if the man is doing such negative vices, is a rapist, and um, me, me, I'm always blunt about this. Mm. If you're a protectionist, if somebody has raped someone and you're protecting them, you're also a rapist enabler. And if that person has raped someone, they're a rapist, and we need to call it fact. And then these people need to be reported to the police. So families need to uh, wake up and also uh, mm. protect uh, the victims. Mm. Very interesting. Um, and uh, as we are having this conversation, Izu, mm. um, in 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 a, in any way, I feel especially for us to have um, a good society uh, mm -hmm. per se, the we need to start with a, a, a ten year old boy, a five year old boy. Um, we have seen so many conferences that has focused on the girl child. We've seen so many events that have just focused on on the girl child, leaving the boy child the boy child alone. Um, a very perfect example even like we talk about tradition in, in our cultures mm -hmm. for instance if someone is about to get married obviously we know that a girl i mean from the time that the girl child is born and she's married off she's always been prepared for for marriage the boy child is is, is a different case should we now maybe advocates as you be advocating for conferences that will have a boy child coming in sitting the same uh, you know in one space and discussing these these issues yeah you've uh, you've raised an interesting point and i agree uh, with uh, your line of questioning there's definitely a lot that needs to be done when it comes to socialization and when i say socialization i'm, I'm talking about the way we teach young boys and uh, young girls as they are growing up mm. i know uh, the good old book says uh, train up a child the way he should uh, go yeah. and so when he's old he will not depart from it and uh, so it's really important that uh, you know the the first primary point of socialization is the family yeah? mm -hmm. families need to teach uh, young boys and young girls the same way and I, 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 I genuinely believe that even when it comes to issues of consent and also comprehensive sexual education it needs to start with the family and what that means comprehensive sexual education starting with the family means to say let us tell things as they are mm -hmm. negating because I know others who argue to say we can't start uh, teaching young boys as far as 10, 11 or even 8, 9 about sex because it's against our own and so forth. Hey, times are changing. We are living in the fourth industrial revolution where mm -hmm. technology has uh, taken over Literally, uh, young people are on social media. They're not supposed to be on social media according to those uh, terms of reference, mm -hmm. but they are on social media. They're at a click of a button. They're able to uh, Google some of these things. Mm -hmm. And if they are not taught right things at home as when they are young, they're going to grow up with the, with the misinformation. And so it's really important that even when we, uh, we, we think around educating um young boys, young girls, we need to be comprehensive about what we're teaching them. And yes, I agree with you. We need to uh, bring both uh, girls and boys in the same room, giving them the very same information. Um, 
a few weeks ago, I read a post um, uh, on social media where uh, this five-year-old child goes to the teacher and then uh, the, the, the five-year-old girl child uh, tells uh, the teacher and says, uh, teacher, my uncle uh, uh, touched my cookie. Mm-hmm. Quote in quote, the word cookie. Mm-hmm. So because the teacher thinks that cookie is a biscuit, the teacher says, when uh, you go back home, tell your uncle to give you two more cookies. A few weeks later, the parents of this young child come back and then they are worried to say, why is my uh, girl child's uh, private members itching and so on and so forth? Then the teacher remembers to say that the child was talking about cookies. Mm-hmm. The actual cookies that the, 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 the girl child was talking about was not the biscuits. Mm-hmm but it was the private members. So imagine if we're so comprehensive in teaching both young boys and young girls, as it is, that a penis is a penis, a vagina is a vagina. If imagine if that uh, misinformation was not there, the teacher would have known instantly to say that the young child was being molested. Mm -hmm. And they would have uh, reported that uh, case to the police or or, or to the parents and the parents would have taken uh, that issue further mm. so yes i agree we, we we definitely need to bring both a girl child and the uh boy child into the same room and giving them comprehensive uh sexual education and comprehensive sexual education also includes consent to yeah. say as you are growing up it's not only about the sex but it is also about uh consent imagine if you train up a child when they're young definitely when they're old they'll not be able to divert away from it because one thing that you would have done you would have built their core values you'd have built their core values to the extent that they know that something is wrong and something is right all right um izu it was a pleasure i think i hope we can go on and on with this discussion and i, I just know, right? I, I i hope that you know in the near future and this is what i was saying earlier on mm-hmm. let's not just limit our conversation when it's this time but uh-huh. it's we sh- it should be a year in year yeah, yeah, some, uh, uh, a conversation that we should be having and hopefully that we should also have you know uh, conferences where we're just going to have boys and men coming in and discussing these issues because yeah. men also are victims yeah. um, of, of, of these violence. But, but, but one thing, I, I think it, sh- it shouldn't just uh, end at having conferences. Mm-hmm. It should end, it, it should also end at practicing what is taught at these conferences mm. because majority of the time conferences, people just go and sit, take in teas, listen to people that are talking. Mm the output of it all is not practice. So mm. even the, when we have these conferences, at mm. least they should also be the practical element and aspect of it. All right, there you yeah. have it. Um, so we expect more podcasts, especially um, on our platform that is uh, Agents of Change Foundation Zambia. And also on my platform, which is uh, Peace, spelled as P-E-P-I-C-E, on all your favorite uh, podcasts. Uh, application and also on our official platform on SoundCloud that is Children's Radio Foundation. This obviously was made possible with partnership of Agents of Change Foundation and the global platform Zambia. Until next time, let's all remember to respect each other's rights and when someone says no, 
it means no it means no all right and also um let's be also be tolerant to i mean the um i don't want to say choice <laughs> but let's yeah, be tolerant no to um people's beliefs right if um, and, and a way of living i think i hope that those are like the right ways that, that uh, i should be able to use enjoy and um until next time goodbye goodbye